You're listening to Dialogues on 3CR Community Radio. Every Wednesday night at midnight. This week, I'm speaking to my friend and colleague, Otillo Page. And this week's show is a little bit more music-driven than normal, so I hope you like it. If you want to get in touch, the email address is dialogues3cr at gmail.com. And we're on Facebook. Just search Dialogues on 3CR. Okay, so I want to talk about something we were talking about earlier on this week, yeah. which is really interesting. Um, so we were talking about fear, mm. and you were saying how you never used to watch horror films, mm. but because they were just quite simply too scary. I mean, they are too incredibly scary. scary. I They're personally scary. can't watch them. Oh. But you've started being able to watch horror films. Yeah. So like, yeah. What's, what's going on there? Um, well, <clears throat> I think... I just, I, I think I started to understand that fear is just such a, um, it's, it's such a powerful feeling to have mm-hmm. and um, to not experience that. And so someone's trying to portray that and trying to make this art, like this beautiful piece of artwork and trying to elicit fear in you. Um, I sort of want to experience it because it's, it's, a big part of like living in life. Mm. Um, it's terrifying, and I sort of hate it. Like I don't, I don't even know if I enjoy it. Yeah, well, it's an odd thing to pay like twenty bucks to go and see a film, I which know. is going to elicit this really I negative know. emotion. And honestly, like I sit around for three weeks, and I just look to the corner of my room and I see like, what. <laughs> if I, I just like imagine things out of the out of the film, and I'm just. Uh, yeah, yeah. Honestly, I was just, <laughs> I just thought, why did I do that to myself? Saying that, though, I think we mentioned this the other day. Yeah. Like, any kind of film is, ma- like, the vast majority of what's happening in a film is so negative. Even yeah. if it's, like, a funny, like, a comedy or yeah. a, a romantic film. Oh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm like, oh, get to act. that end of the second act climax, <laughs> and, like, you will be in tears. But the va- you're just seeing someone suffer for 90 yeah. to like 200 minutes yeah, and yeah. yet for some reason that's really like engaging it's, it's, a, it's it. great <laughs> I'll yeah. pay 20 bucks for it why, why is that though? Why, so why do people uh, want to experience? Like, why do people pay to see people suffer? I don't know it's, it's a part of um, it's part of being human isn't it really to sort of um, experience all emotions and and maybe like happiness and um and joying, being contented, maybe like a small part of living. Maybe it's like the um, the goal at the end of of sort of things. So yeah, but does maybe, that does that know. mean there's not enough of that in real life, or is it just like less clear cut in real life? Things are a bit foggier and uncertain and a mix of things. Whereas, yeah, I think maybe in a film, it's almost as if the kind of complexity and just the kind of messiness of life is like pre-digested and kind of made a bit clearer Mm. and more meaningful in a film Mm. 
sim like familiar things are happening in films to yeah. what happens in real life, yeah. but it's much more just the extraneous stuff is cut out and it's like very kind of straightforward. You know exactly what's happening. Extreme There's life. no ambiguity. Whereas like real life is full of ambiguity. Yeah, you never know what, what anyone else is thinking or doing or what's going on. I mean, I think that's what makes a great film though, doesn't it? When it's, when it's as complex as life is. So okay. you're not able to, like it is ambiguous and it's hard to read. Yeah, yeah. But I think only when the director or the writer has actually written the ambiguity in specifically yeah so like the film itself can't be muddy like muddled yeah the ambiguity has to be like intentional and it has to be yeah, a purpose totally. to that yeah, yeah, yeah. and that's like yeah the beauty like great films leave mm. lots of stuff open and you mm. don't have to explain everything yeah i mean i'm not talking so much about storyline i suppose about how um people interact with what's happening in the context of the story um but so, for example, I watched A Star Is Born. Oh yeah, this is that new film. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so good. Is it uh, good? Well, I mean, I loved it. <laughs> like, I, I mean, I've heard good things. My yeah. parents really liked it. Yeah, I took. Uh, I went with my mom and my housemate. Mm. Um, I don't know if my mom would be happy about this, but I think she was crying. I was crying. Hey, come on. <laughs> That's. That's the beauty of films. But I think what I liked about it, I mean, the story is really sort of straightforward and it's very Hollywood. But what I liked was that um, the emotions for the characters weren't always explained to you. And uh, it was more just like in a glance and a look and things like that. And you had to sort of like, you sort of understood what the director was trying to portray, but it was a little bit ambiguous mm. and that's nice. I, I found that sort of like quite um, human and real mm -hmm, mm -hmm. in a film that's like very Hollywood. Yeah, yeah. It's very rare to get that these days in films. Like a few times a year you'll have a film that's actually genuinely engaging. Like my kind of criteria for what makes a good film is, I think again, I mentioned this to you the other day, I just keep <laughs> repeating myself. Uh, does it keep your attention for those full two hours? Like, yeah. are you thinking about something else? No, okay, that's bad. No, does mm. it keep your attention? Yeah. Do you think about it afterwards? Does yeah. it stay with you? Yeah. And do you recommend it to other people? Yeah. Like, I want to share the things that yeah. I like in my life. Yeah. And it's always, it's like, it's a good sign if I want to share music that I'm into. That I think quite like ironically, yesterday when I was watching this film, I was, I'm so engrossed. And it's about, I think, I don't know how long it is, but. I get three quarters away into it, and I I think about Joe telling me, "Is the movie keeping your attention?" Really? <laughs> yeah. And you broke my attention. It's no. so ironic. I was like, God, "Oh my why? God, it's backfired!" It's backfired. <laughs> and now I'm gonna think that every time, like, <laughs> every if, time you're if I'm too engrossed, I'll be like, "Is it keeping my attention?" Oh no! <laughs> I'm sorry. You've I'm ruined sorry. film for wrong. me. I do apologize. <laughs> no, it's okay. Okay, so going back to that, the, the question of fear, mm. I want to know, when, when do you think you've most, you've experienced the most fear in your life? Mm. What have I experienced the most? Oh, okay, sort of more broadly, actually, what, what kind of like role does fear play in your life or has it done? Yeah, time? I think... Um, I'm going to put some different music on now. That's it. I think um, it... It's been a, um, it drives me a lot, actually. 
Mm-hmm. And I mean, I've talked about that. You know, sometimes I, I think I'm a bit of a coward, and a lot of the things I do is, um, is is because of fear. Like I'm, I'm terrified of something happening or a consequence or mm-hmm. hurting someone or not doing something, and it pushes me to. Um, it pushes me. It's, it's my drive a lot of the time. It pushes you. I would it doesn't say, prevent you. I don't think so. Like, I think um, the fear of failure or the fear of um, hurting someone more makes me um, confront confront it. Okay. If that makes sense, it's yeah. like a bit of a. It's a bit roundabout. So isn't you're it? sort of negating the fear by just addressing it. That sounds really healthy. Well, I don't know. <laughs> it sounds pretty healthy because I, I would just say that that fear is something that tends to hold people back. You know, like fear of failure. Yeah. Fear of being made to look stupid. Yeah. Fear of injury. Yeah. Uh, there are lot like lots of good reasons for not doing a thing, which actually, if you did it, yeah, and you achieved it, it might be really good for you. It might kind of take you to that next level yeah. that you're hoping for in your life. Yeah, I think like, so it certainly is my drive, and I think also just acknowledging that I am um, quite fearful of something makes me want to. Um, yeah, it just pushes me to, so what, to fight what, back what, what kind of fears have you sort of specifically addressed in the past, if you can think of any? Um, that music didn't work, so I'm going to try something else now. So. <laughs> I think, uh, I mean, you know, obviously um, speaking sort of publicly is, is a huge fear of mine. It's mm-hmm. part of the reason why I'm here tonight is to like, Addressing the fear. Totally. I, I honestly, I was talking to someone today and I said that I haven't felt so sort of vulnerable as I do about sort of coming in tonight and talking. And I hate that I'm terrified. I hate it mm. so much that it would just make me do it. <laughs> That's it. That's amazing. But has that held you back in the past? I think um, certainly, yeah, of course. I, I think maybe with a bit more maturity, um, and I started to think this way. But it's been for many years of like, um, I'm scared of going overseas by myself, and I'll do it just to just to say that I can do it, just mm-hmm. to just to confront it. Is there anything in particular about going overseas that does scare you or has scared you in the past? Um, I think, I, I suppose, like, um, being by yourself is mm-hmm. quite terrifying. Um, mm-hmm. And it's something you have to, like, learn to get used to and learn to live with, I think, um, if you, if you want to travel and travel quite well. I mean, I know there's people around there but you're sort of so far removed from um, the safety of your family and friends back home and financially and and the system you understand and the culture you understand. So, mm. um, and often when you are travelling, you're going to places that don't necessarily have the kind of safeguards that you are exactly. take for granted in like westernized societies yeah, of course, yeah. and just being exposed to that is really striking. Yeah. I think travelling makes you brave. I think so too. So you have to I look t- after yourself in every mm. aspect, like you're saying, mm. and that can be the, like it can give you such a buzz 
when you get through that initial barrier yeah. of fear and anxiety. Really it's so, it's like so freeing mm. just to know that you can truly look after yourself. You're not relying on these invisible systems. That I know. Right. And certainly when you come back from that that adventure, mm. you're so enriched and, and um, certainly more confident. Um, yeah, I, I totally agree. Traveling is so uh it's so uplifting and rewarding what what kind of traveling experiences have you had um i've been to a few places i, I mean i spent um uh like a lot of my 20s overseas oh a lot maybe five years or five years altogether i'd oh, wow. say um and i've been to india and lived in denmark and um, canada and places like that nice yeah, yeah. Was there any, uh, which of those would you say was the most kind of pivotal in your like development as a person, <laughs> if, if that can be answered in any simple way? Uh, I mean, talking about sort of uh, being independent, um, you know, I, I experienced that for the first time when I traveled to India, I was 23. Um, and I hadn't, uh, hadn't really traveled alone or been by myself before like that, like mm. I experienced, uh, um, and certainly like had a lot of hardships. I remember once when I was in Manali, um, and I was trying to sell this motorbike that I had, um, and I, I didn't have enough money to get home either. Yeah. Um, so I had no money. I couldn't get home out of India. Um, and again, like the fear to, um, explain this to my friends and family to like, to call my mom, <laughs> like, mom, can you <laughs> bail me out of this like situation? I got myself into, my I just I've never been, would I've do it. Like a couple of times while I've been away. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I, I just would not. <clears throat> so I stuck it out and. I, um, but talking about being alone and independent and then I was in Manali by myself and for three weeks, it was, a, it was like the low season. So no one's around. Okay. Um, and I remember spending nights just like, I've just really contemplating being alone. Mm -hmm. Um, and, um, I think. I think that's where I learned to sort of um, understand that sort of concept and to sort of come to terms with it. Um, and I think, so like, in terms of being pivotal, when I came back, I was, I was okay to, to push forward and be by myself. Okay. Much easier. Um, I wasn't really afraid to be alone after that. It's almost a skill that you learn. I really think it is, yeah, mm. totally. Yeah. I actually had a really similar experience mm. traveling in, in Vietnam, of all yeah. places, North Vietnam, in the kind of hilly, mountainy area, yeah. similar to Manali, yeah, which is kind of the yeah. mountainous the north. Hills, Always go north. Always go north. Um, yeah, I, was, I, I spent a few weeks essentially completely on my own, no other, mm. you know, just like native Vietnamese people in these villages. Sounds like a slightly kind of wanky gap year story, but yeah, just just being truly comfortable by myself and it's hard to learn, isn't it? Like yeah. you have to go through these weird processes. It's like a breakup mm -hmm. or something mm -hmm. with yourself. Yeah, 
Yeah, um, but then, but I just never feel uncomfortable on my own now. I don't, I don't mind it at all. I, yeah. I need it. Yeah, we're just two sad, lonely guys <laughs> in the studio. Thank God, like, this is how, it's nice to just have a conversation to someone else. <laughs> I haven't talked to someone in years. <laughs> how does it work again? Yeah. <laughs> um, but did you have any specific moments, like p- pivotal moments when you were in India? Like anything that kind of comes to mind? Any experiences? Um, uh, I mean, that was a crazy six months. Um uh, certainly, like, uh, I suppose facing my mortality as well was a big, um, just a <laughs> big what, thing what, to deal it, it, with. How did, why did that happen? Uh, I mean, like, I had just watched, um, what's that called? Into the Wild. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, and, I, I don't know, I thought I, I think that I thought I was some traveling adventure hero. <laughs> that, okay, that's another that's another sign that a film is good, is that you want to be the hero from the film. <laughs> Just as a little interjection there. Yeah. I remember seeing the reboot of Star Trek in 2009. <laughs> <laughs> with my friend Dave and we both came out of the cinema just being like so up for being involved in like a really positive team <laughs> I swear it like made us better for people yeah, it was great but, but anyway well, you that's, wanted... it. that's when art really touches you know, when it does something <laughs> yeah. like that yeah. I, yeah so into the wild and I was like I'm gonna forge my own path <laughs> I'm gonna be my own hero um and I was in McLeod Gunge, uh, and I decided I'd climb this. It's the base of the, it's the foothills of the Himalayas, and I, um, the Dalai Lama lives, and I was like, oh, I'm going to climb It's a this. pretty intense place to face your mortality. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it really is. Um, but I um, decided to climb this mountain, and, and all the locals were like, don't, don't. Climb this, don't climb this mountain <laughs> like it wasn't anything huge it wasn't like I didn't have those ropes and whatnot but they're like just don't do it by yourself um, there's bears and there's like you could fall and crack your head and so and bears? I, like, <laughs> yeah bears okay like black bears I think okay. I don't really know but I think black bears okay um, and I was I was arrogant I was 23 <laughs> and I, I should have listened but I didn't anyway so I packed a yoga mat I think like two minute noodles um, and decided to like hike up this mountain. Was the yoga mat more for sleeping rather than <laughs> doing like child's pose yeah. on the top of Salute it? To a the peak. Sun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Downward dog. You've got to stay limber. Yeah, you got to stay limber. <laughs> um, no, it was to sleep on. Um, I had a sleeping bag too, no tent um, and a little, little pocket knife, a little light. And anyway, so I scale this mountain. It takes me four hours um, winding up. I finally make it top. And making it to the top, I honestly was just... I think I was so just... So ecstatic. I can can remember it perfectly. Um, And I just thought, like, I've made it. Like, I've made it as an adult. Whatever that is. Really? I, yeah. I how think how so. long did it take to get there? To up the mountain? Yeah. About four hours. Okay. So yeah. 
Is it even a mountain? It's, Maybe that's a hill. Yeah, that's a mountain. That's a mountain. I don't know what the definition is, but I don't know. if you're on your own and the locals have dissuaded you or yeah. tried to dissuade you from doing it, it's pretty intense. Yeah, but I don't want people thinking it's like K2 or Everest. But it's whatever it means for you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and so I made it to the top and, um, n- you know, night was um, falling and... and um, I decided to make dinner um, and try and go to sleep and so that's when things sort of get a bit weird and so I'm trying to fall asleep and ha- like have you ever slept tried to sleep without a tent yeah it's difficult like it's you? you don't really sleep it's hard right yeah, like yeah. the what did did you have anything you were just sleeping on the floor I was sleeping on a yoga mat so <laughs> that's what a yoga mat in the in the uh, what's in that the, pose in the, the downward like... dog <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So no, it's it's very difficult. It it's is pretty difficult. much impossible. I think. Well, yeah, it is. But I so I just I tried to fall asleep, and I'm telling myself all these things, and like um, it's you know, tent is only a couple of mils thick, and um, it's all in your head, and it's all psychological. Anyway, I hear this sort of rustling sound, or like um, a sort of sniffing sound. Yeah. And I think. That's just that's just me moving around, or that's the that's my mind just playing tricks on me. And then I hear it a little bit louder, and I can feel the I can feel the sensation riding up my back. It's like cold ice, just just being I don't know. It, it was it was so freaky. I can I, and I decided okay if if I look up. Um, it means that I'm a coward and I've, and, and I've lost somehow, so I didn't. And then I hear the sound again mm. and I, I just can't sit, I can't sit still. And so I get up and I look around and anyway, there's all these, there's the, the moons, uh, it's a full moon. So there's all these big boulders up there mm-hmm. and, um, I had this little torchlight and I turn it on and I just see these two green spots, these two green spots in a rock. And this rock just sort of like melts down the mouth, uh, down the mountain. And uh, down the mouth, melts down the mouth. <laughs> I don't know what I want my mind. <laughs> melts down the mountainside, right? And as it gets a bit closer, I realize it's a bear. And it starts to like jump up and down, starts no. to bark, starts to, starts to get, get quite aggressive. And I just froze. And um, I, I like, I know it's gonna sound cheesy, but that fight or flight really kicked in. And that sense of like, this is, this is, this feels like the end, even if it might have not been, like, I'm, you know, it might have just been more scared of me and run away. It totally could have been the end. It's a, bear. it's a bear. Well, I don't know. Like, don't bears they kill people. And honey. Bears always kill people, and they like honey. Yeah, um, they're so they, sweet. They, I mean, they're grizzly on. bears. This is like <clears throat> Indian bears. I don't know if they're killers <laughs> or something. So what happened? So um, I had a little, I put this little torchlight in my mouth. Okay. And it's still barking. It's sort of like running around, sort of huffing and puffing. And I uh, had this little pocket knife. It's about the size of my thumb. I don't know what I'd do with it. Mm-hmm. And I had a frying pan that I held up to protect myself. Oh, my God. Um, 
and I slowly packed my bag, really slowly, kept my eye on it. And I sort of moved off in the distance a bit. And I, I like a couple of hours prior, I'd passed a abandoned goat shed. Mm. Um, and I, I'd found my way back down. So this is how you faced your mortality? So this was the first time I had really sensed that um, it could sort of end. Mm -hmm. um, what was that like? Um, it was sort of invigorating and sort of really freeing, I think. Like, uh, it was... I... Afterwards, I... Um, felt like I knew I could face death. Mm. If that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know how to explain it when you... When it really happens to you, something so, so deep. So I had a similar experience, but in a very less, in a much less dramatic way, <laughs> in the sense that <clears throat> I do feel like I had what might be described as a near-death experience. Yeah. <laughs> in the sense that I feel like I faced death in a way that I never have done before yeah. and came to terms with it and mm. overcame a fear that I had about it. So specifically in London studying philosophy at the time was in the library <laughs> and you know studying philosophy one year in thinking about all of these very rarefied big questions all of the time thinking about mortality a lot yeah. up until this point for like a good sort of 20 like I don't know however many years of my life I would often stay up uh, you know not be able to go to sleep in the, in the middle of the night thinking about death and just being yeah. terrified getting a cold sweat mm. i don't know if you've had that experience no. just not being able to believe the terror like how could this be yeah this is this is how i i, I don't want to believe it it's horrible terror in terms of how you might die no like, no not at all just the the fear of not being around yeah because all you know is being around by mm. like, necessarily and yeah. i don't want to not be around so that's scary it's the kind of fear that i think might stimulate that religious impulse yeah. for an afterlife um so but you anyway if there was nothing after it yeah i i, I yeah absolutely yeah. um but I was thinking about it more and more. I think something inside me just needed to like sort it out mm. and come to terms with it. So it was just like more and more on my mind. <laughs> so, and I just remember like being in this library and thinking like how, this is just absurd. Like we're all just gonna die at some point. Like what's the point of any of this? I was thinking about it more and more. It's quite surreal. And on my way home from the library, on the way to Charing Cross Tube Station, I, for whatever reason, actually finally l looked at death in the eye. <laughs> not for any, not because I was under any threat to my life. Yeah. It was just this like intellectual exercise when I actually just allowed myself to fully, fully take the whole thing in in a way that I've never done before. I just released myself to it. So just it wasn't like a physical thing that you were looking at. You weren't looking at no, a train coming towards this, you this or was a just double-decker. No, it's not just, at all. This was just... I, it, 
I say near death in the sense that yeah, at some point, like, I probably will face. It's just accepting what will happen in the future. In the same way that facing down a bear, you're suspecting, oh, I might die in the next few seconds. Mm. <laughs> this was just like, you know, a few mm. decades in advance. Yeah. And um, yeah, it kind of like made me weak at the knees for like a few seconds, yeah. just like fully just allowing it to consume me. And like in an instant, like the fear went away and how are you left feeling i find well i finally understood what people say what people mean when they say that they're not scared of dying but they're just scared of pain and yeah. i never really understood that i was like oh, you can tolerate pain i just don't want to die but i was like no i do understand that because yeah. you can fear a negative feeling but actually like there is nothing to like nothingness is not fearful it's just nothing yeah and i, I and i kind of understood it's, what i meant but i truly understood it in that moment and it just caused this incredible serenity. It was yeah. this mystical, like not mystical, but it was just kind of trippy, but just very peaceful. Yeah. And got on the tube, Charing Cross tube station. And I was like in this super relaxed, serene, <laughs> almost not blissful, but just so at peace, just like looking around me and like, kept that feeling with me for the next few days and since then have never really been scared of death yeah it's insane just it's that, that moment that happened happen. so that's how it's so since then you've in so in terms of um you're still fearful of 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 um like skydiving and things like that but you'll still push through it after that experience? Um, I don't know if it's necessarily changed how I behave. It's more just I don't go to that place psychologically anymore. Mm. I mean, maybe there are different levels to it. Maybe if you get like a terminal illness or you actually yeah. come close, like, you know, it's way more proximal Then there's like another layer of fear mm. that you have to overcome. I'm sure that's the case. But um, yeah, it definitely changed some kind of wiring in that's there. That's amazing. It was weird. So, so pivotal, so it's amazing. Mm. Um, I don't, th I, yeah, I think it's actually quite similar for me and, and what I had experienced and afterwards. I don't, like, I don't, I don't, yeah, I don't fear death in that sense, like uh, the nothingness or what's after or, I, I mean, I, you know, I'm, I'm still absolutely terrified of like trans coming towards me. <laughs> That's understandable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, or going on dates or whatever. But, like, yeah, I think in that sense, um, um, I've been sort of. So, okay, so as, like, a developing person, still pretty young, um, what's, what's, like, what would you say is holding you back at the moment, if anything? In terms of... Is there anything that you kind of think, oh, I need to deal with that, like, I need to that mm. part of me that I'm just not satisfied there's something to improve mm. and like you know obviously you can't be expected to be a perfect person ever in fact but there are yeah. always little improvements to make are there any yeah. are there any things at the moment that you keep coming back to mm. I mean there's those bigger things that I I'm always trying to work on um, I like I recently start recently saw a counsellor for the first time which was a, like a incredible experience I've Mm -hmm. never done that before yeah 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 um just to sort of help me um uh to help me digest and understand like things in my past about my 
parents and my particularly my birth mum. I think that's probably that's what I work on a lot, um, trying to sort of move forward with. Mm-hmm. Um, the other one is like my identity is uh, like a Filipino Australian male, and I've never said Filipino Australian. I just was Australian, um, and now I sort of think about um, my culture my Filipino culture and so that's what I work on now and I try and I'm trying to like I don't know (laughs) does the Filipino culture play an active part in your life at the moment like no it never has like I've always turned away from it not even in your upbringing at all like birth mom left when I was young and I think I pushed away from it like growing up and schools where or gr- I mean growing up and um, sort of dealing with um, the r- like the racism and um, that you can experience as a person of colour um, sort of I would think made me push away mm-hmm. f- from my heritage um, I didn't want a part of it and only now I've started recently trying to discover that side again and sort of trying to um, be proud of that mm-hmm. is another weird thing that I'm trying <laughs> like I'm learning to how do, do you go about that I don't know to be honest like I think you'd have to um, you have to learn as much as you can about your culture mm-hmm. and where you're where your family's from, where your heritage is from. And then um, you have to sort of stand it up against society and and um, just, I don't know, like have no shame in it. Mm-hmm. It's hard to explain. I don't, I, to be honest, I haven't really... Like I still need, I still a lot of things I need to sort of work out. I guess about it's it. something like by the sounds of it, you just started yeah. to embark upon. Yeah, I mean the last six months, mm-hmm. and the things that have been sitting with me for thirty years. Mm-hmm. Well, twenty, I'm not that old. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine it's a massive amount to unpack and to exactly. Get your, it's probably going to be a lifelong process. I hope not. I hope I can <laughs> just dish it out in the next six months. <laughs> I don't have time it for that. It depends how much you're paying me. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I, like I think, I think those would be my two biggest at the moment. And I mean, in the way they're always, like they're connected like, to my birth mum and mm-hmm. that experience I had of her leaving and mm-hmm. um, you know pushing away from my culture and um, yeah, so. Uh, like, I've been, I mean, I've been stalking my mum on, birth mum on Facebook and, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and looking at the languages she speaks, she says she speaks and, um, and we, like, she speaks a dialect of a small minority up in the northern, in Luzon, mm. Northern Ireland, mm-hmm. way up in the north in the river and it's just... Why, why do you think looking into the dialects is... A, do you think it's a kind of crucial way in somehow? Or why, a, why would you naturally do that? It was, honestly, it was just a way of tracing back 
to where she's from. I didn't know where mm. she was born. I knew she was born in Luzon, but I couldn't find the actual area. Um, and I sort of have nailed it down to that um, specific area. Mm. Um, and are you, are you are you making that sort of journey for any specific reason? or to chase any kind of particular goal or is it just something that you're naturally inclined to do it's just something you're now becoming interested in and the mm. process itself is sort of for whatever reason interesting in itself i think it's to better understand yourself really mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. to like i mean as you get older you, um one of the like real pleasures is that you if you're lucky enough you get to understand yourself more mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, you have to work on it. I mean, some people are sort of naturally just so confident that mm. they understand themselves quite completely, but we're pretty complex. And yes. There's a lot to, there's a lot to us. Um, yeah. And ultimately, part of that process is going to be going back and thinking about whatever painful experiences have gone on mm. that you've naturally avoided for a long time or yeah. you might have done you know on whatever scale whether it was like i don't know a traumatic experience of of any kind mm. why why would you sort of torture yourself and keep thinking about it but at some point i think a lot useful. of people do though a lot of they? people do do that yeah. but at some point it's useful to process it yeah i guess yeah and i think so come to have some kind of interpretation of what it meant and mm. what it how it relates to who you are now do you relate to what i'm saying do you have something similar? um i think i was quite lucky with my own upbringing um pretty stable family didn't move around uh, a lot not that that's a, an issue but um no i mean i didn't have any major traumas when i was younger mm. but you know i sort of have the amount of usual kind of emotional scars that anyone of my age would do just from having participated in life yeah. and had some interesting experiences um but are you working on things now that uh um i think i yeah so i suppose i spent a few years really not knowing what it was that i wanted to do or what what i should put time into had had things that I wanted to do, but didn't necessarily know how to do it. Didn't really know how to work hard for things. Always sort of relied. That was a challenge for me too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. always kind of relied on on last minute pressure. Mm -hmm. um, and I suppose that being reinforced by it generally kind of working out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Kind of tending to work out. Um, but I think if you want to actually be successful in the things that you want to do and to be satisfied in yourself and to feel proud of the things you do and to gain a kind of meaningful self sense of self-esteem then you kind of do need to work in a way mm. and i don't almost don't like to use the word work because it has kind of tiresome <laughs> negative connotations to it mm. but yeah i think just learning to recognize those things that are actually important to you and to be able to put time into it and to kind of appreciate little achievements that you make rather than having 
unrealizable expectations or goals. That's kind of, that's something you have to learn. It's not necessarily innately there. Yeah. And I've had periods where, where, where I've been able to do that, but I think I've gotten better at that in the last year or so, for sure. In the last year, that's quite recent. Yeah, relatively so. What was the catalyst for it? Um, probably, I, I think a really bad breakup in the context of having made some sort of, yeah, just, just being in that state of not knowing what was the sort of best decision in terms of moving forwards, like mm. career-wise, for about a year. Mm. So just sort of umming and ahhing and deliberating for quite a long time. And then I think coming out of a relationship was, yeah, the, the kind of catalyst. And I was like, right, okay, I need to just like sort this all out now mm. and actually kind of make some improvements. Um, and obviously it's, it's never a steady road up there are always going to be sort of knocks along the way and detours and wobbles. Yeah. Mm. But that's just like, that's just part of life and mm. you can't really predict that. How uh, do you make your big decisions like that? Oh, it's so difficult. Those so life decisions are impossible. Yeah. yeah, I mean, my my tendency is to over-intellectualize things, yeah. to overthink things, but I try not to. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, why do you suppress that? Because it's easier to make a decision. Do you think? Um, I I suppress it because I don't think it's the, necessarily the best way of doing it. Mm. I mean, I, I I probably don't suppress it that much, uh, but I think generally, genuinely, if you have a if you have a gut feeling, if you have an intuition about mm. stuff, and you can kind of check that with your reason, then that's a pretty good way of going about things. But sometimes you don't have a clear intuition. Often we have conflicting feelings and. You know, parts of us want one thing and parts of us want the other thing and long-term, short-term goals. It's so difficult to balance those things. Yeah, and it's and success depends on all of these external factors that you could never predict or have any control over. Mm. So how on earth can you be expected to make the right decision? And you don't know if the alternative decision, if you'd made it, would have lead would have led to better or worse outcomes anyway. So that's the it's, thing. Like the right decision is 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 a uh is like uh i don't it's not all it's not always about the right decision wrong decision it's sometimes just being um taking it all on board and being backed into a corner and just jumping one way or the other isn't it like, yeah and also making whatever situation you find yourself in work because you yeah. can constantly be dissatisfied with what you have and be striving for something it's a skill else. you learn while you travel right Learning how to make things work sure. in any situation right yeah out of necessity yeah exactly um, but there's, uh, yeah, an awful lot to be said for even if you know you're going to be moving away from a certain situation, you know, just making the best of it while you're there and not rejecting it. I don't know. I think that that's something that I've I've gotten better at as well. Yeah. Um, but I mean, do you think that impulse to move from where do you think that impulse from to move from place to place comes from? Because I think we're probably both relatively mm. similar in having that. Um, in the sense that you've spent, you said you spent like cumulatively like five years of your life overseas, did you yeah, say? Yeah, I remember. Um, you know, I'm not from Australia, uh, <laughs> so I'm living overseas and yeah. I've spent bits of time living and traveling abroad and have moved house so many times in the last 10 years. Yeah. 
there's, there's something going on there. I mean, I, th I, I enjoy it. It makes me happy yeah. to have yeah. these new experiences, but I wonder where that comes from because so many other people are happy sort of staying in one place. And I think, I think it's, I think I just, I mean, I just want to, I always want to experience the most in incredible experience that I can get. That's, I'm always chasing that. That's what I'm always after. And I probably equate that to being overseas, which might not be true. Um, I, I mean, I love, I love people. I'm interested in people. I'm interested in cultures. Um, and I think that's what fuels it as well. But I mean, on the darker side of it, I'm always a bit concerned that maybe I just never feel content. Mm. And content <clears throat> is like, it's elusive sort of, um, Thing that I just can't grab a hold on. So. I don't think it's ever realistically a steady state that you can hope to achieve. It's just no. it's not realistic. But unless you're unless you're like a, a like a monk and you're just <laughs> you're just spending all of your day meditating. But personally, that's not desirable to me. What if you're uh, the um, the person in a, like a, a person a family member like in a have a family and. You have um, you have security and comfortability there. But I think a, you ha you have you have dramas within that stability. Totally, totally. But in terms of like a consistent state of being content, um, it's more inducive for that. Is than, it? But, well, is it? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Either. I honestly don't know. <laughs> well, seemingly it. I mean, when I paint the picture in my mind, but maybe I'm just stereotyping. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, families I have, I, and, it, and it, like we're, we're, in terms of making those big decisions in in life, like big decisions as to how to move forwards with things. I always have this vision of like it's all, like almost as if there's a line that you cross at some point where everything's sorted, and then you just sort of don't have to worry or make any decisions again. But <laughs> pretty sure the rest of life is going to be probably quite similar to how it has been so yeah. far. <laughs> yeah. I like you kind of just like muddle along, and hopefully it's like you enjoy yourself yeah. and have some interesting experiences. Yeah. Yeah. And you just hope that maybe you just have to hope that you just sort of get generally better at stuff and you get to maximize those <laughs> positive that. experiences. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, what is it for you to, to, why do you move? Why do you travel? Well, I agree. I think I, I've had really great experiences, uh, great new experiences. I, I do love experiencing things for the first time. Mm. But what's you not know, to say you can, couldn't have that at home with? Yeah. I, I agree. I suppose it's a very direct and almost assured way to uh, have new experiences, mm. to go somewhere very different. Yeah. And I count meeting new people in that idea of having new experiences. You know, meeting people who are so different. Yeah. Um, yeah, even something like you know, moving. So I, I grew up in a, a little village in the Midlands. Lovely place, but not like a diver, not no How diversity. Do you I struggle to pronounce it. <laughs> Thanks sorry. for asking. <laughs> sorry. Olriwas. <laughs> it's it sounds like a mystical land. It does sound like it's, a mystical It sounds like you made it up. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a lovely little village in the Midlands. Um but it's yeah, it's it's um so satisfying to get to know people from different cultures and to yeah. be friends with them yeah, and to, to understand them and to understand that they probably aren't really 
too many differences between you. Exactly. You know? That's it, isn't it? Like yeah. you, um, despite all the differences, you actually realize in the end that you just connect on a very, um, there's something that you, we can all sort of connect to. Totally. Um, and that's, that's a really valuable um, lesson to learn and, and a really great skill to sort of pick up mm. in the everyday life. Absolutely. Yeah, it can be like beautiful experiences, just meeting strangers abroad. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Those those experiences can happen in any context. You just mm. have to be open to it. But again, I think there's something about going overseas which is conducive to opening up because you have to um, adjust to this new scenario which demands different oh, things from you yeah. and that, that requires you to open up and consider different possibilities. Yeah. So it, it does... It helps, I suppose. Mm. It's it's a it's a kind of conduit to, to having that openness, which I think is just so so useful. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I agree. Oh God. Um. Yeah. So, what experiences? Talking about experiences. Mm. Do you experience. come back to? Talking about getting new experiences, but are there any kind of consistent ones that are just yeah that's that's me i i love that and it's <laughs> like i will always come back to it it's always a good place mm. do you have any of those uh i think um um i think probably like my love for the ocean would be something that is um always something i come back to i mean for many years i i sort of dropped it like left it behind and um, not really thought about it much. I thought I didn't really need it, but um, my dad instilled that in me, my, my love for the ocean. And um, it's something I always will come back to and always will have a key for part of my life, I think. So the, the ocean, just being near the ocean or? Just being in the ocean, just being near the ocean, everything about it. I wouldn't like, I mean, I love the city and I don't imagine living back on the coast. I grew up in Sunshine Coast mm -hmm. and I don't imagine moving back, but I can't really describe or have a similar experience to when I see the ocean for, if I hadn't seen it for a few days. And, um... Like some of my earliest memories, like I grew, I, I was born um, in a harbour town in North Queensland, and my dad was a diver. He dived for um, fish and coral when it was legal. <laughs> he's old, <laughs> and uh, he's he's really old. And um, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> it can't be that old. No, he's he's, he's bloody old. No. <laughs> Um, but he, so, I mean, so he was a diver and he loved the ocean. Um, he was actually, I, I mean, I just found out the other day, really. I saw, well, I had forgotten, but rediscovered, but my dad was a stunt double in one of like the old diving shows no that way. ran for many years in, in Australia. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so weird. Um. But yeah, one of my earliest memories is, is my dad um, taking me, he would uh, take me down to the, to the coast and to the beach and we would swim underwater and I would hang on to his 
shoulders like a little sucker fish. <laughs> <laughs> and he would tell me to tap his shoulder when I was running out of breath. Oh, and so you were underwater? Yeah, so he'd dive underwater and I'd cling on for like dear life. No way. I must have been like four. I mean, because I left them when I was five, so I must have been four or five. Mm -hmm. um, and I can, I, I remember opening my eyes and it's just, um, I can't really, it's, it's too, it's almost too difficult to describe. It's just like, a color and a feeling and and I think that's where it started from um, I, I mean that memory and a memory of trying to learn how to ride my bike mm. there's, so, there's so few but that that experience in the water with your dad I think it really kicked it off do, do you do you kind of do you return to that experience or does it have some kind of origin and the new experience I think it's just the origin yeah yeah it doesn't sound it's not something I really return to okay but it's something that I, um, when I think back, I think that's where it started from. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I mean, forever grateful to my dad. Mm -hmm. so, yeah. It's so. probably something significant in it being your dad who gave you that experience as well. Yeah, he's an amazing person, my dad. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he's, he's absolutely incredible. Mm -hmm. I mean, he annoys me, but <laughs> I love him. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I think that's, that would be one of them, anyway. Is that the big one? Uh, that one, something I turn to that I reuse as a, as a skill or a memory or experience. I remember, um, f like a flowing a lot, uh, and suddenly on one flight over to Denmark, I was terrified of flying. It just hit me. Um, and I tried to, I was trying to sort of work my way through it. I, had, I, was, I, was, I was sweating and um, feeling nauseous and I think I must have been like losing a lot of blood to my face. And I thought to myself, if, if I, I f I'm feeling closed, if I open myself up to the fear, to, to being terrified, then um, Maybe if I accept it and let it in, I can just digest it and mm. just throw it back out. Like I needed to sort of understand it. And so, but now when I think of that, I sort of, when I'm fearful, I physically do what I did on the plane. It was, and I open up my palms to just sort of take it all in. Just mm. like, if I'm scared and you see me with my palms, like if you see me with my palms open in ED, <laughs> it's probably because I'm pretty terrified. That's amazing though. I love that approach to fear. It's it's just, yeah, it's such a like proactive and positive way of, a pro of dealing with fear. It's just to open yourself up to it. I think... What else are you going to do? Run away? What else are you going to do? Yeah, exactly. Or, or try and deflect or try and hide. I think that's all you can do really is mm. to sort of take it in and let it hit you straight in the chest. I think that's a good way to end the show. <laughs> Unfortunately, we've come to the end of our time, but thank you so much for coming on. Thanks, that was, that was great. I appreciate it.
You can listen to more dialogues on your podcast app of choice. Just search dialogues or go to soundcloud.com forward slash dialogues 3CR.